Eleanor without a bar. Welcome to 3PNR. Joining me for this episode is Psychic John Russell. John, how you doing, sir? Adam, it's good to be back with you, man. I'm hanging in kind of like everybody else and uh, looking forward to talking with you tonight. Excellent. I imagine it's been busy for you because, uh, you know, lately there's people, the big question, what is after this? Uh, And we'll get into that a little bit later. Let's let's start more with uh, what your what your year's been like. Well, I tell you, it's been uh, it's been a busy year. It's uh, been filled with clients. You know, I still read for an international clientele, providing psychic readings for an international clientele. Uh, I've written and published since we talked last my third book. I've finished a fourth. It's going to come out this year. I'm about halfway through my fifth book. So lots going on there. And, of course, a ton of interviews. And so it's it's been a busy time. So the books that you have, um, obviously, I want to get them in, in uh, some links for people to look them up. So I'll, I'll have that provided and put into description. Right. Uh, what's the, what's the, so those books that you're writing, what are they based upon? Just your experiences overall, or just the psychic experience overall? Well, the first two books, uh, Writing with Ghost Angels and the Spirits of the Dead, that was my first one, came out in 2020. My second book, A Knock in the Attic, uh, those are both true paranormal experiences that happened to me personally, what I learned from them and what I want to convey to the reader. And so they're entertaining as well as informative to read. Uh, the people that have given me feedback on them say I've never read anything like this in the, in the paranormal field, the psychic field. So a lot of good feedback on those books. The third book, which just came out in July of last year, is titled 20 Ways to Increase Your Psychic Abilities. And what I do is take one technique per chapter. So there's 20 techniques in the book. In each individual technique, I define it for you. I tell you what it is. And then I take you step by step, lead you by the hand through how to learn it, how to practice it, how to get good at it, and the real world application. And I start off the, the book with the first chapter is how to learn psychometry, which is holding an object and getting information from it. And I go through the chapters to dream interpretation, to how to conduct an old school seance, candle magic, how to make your own uh, protective amulets and talismans, how to attract the perfect mate, and on and on and on. So the book is full of easy to learn, easy to use, practical things that anybody can apply. And the great thing about it is the main reason I wrote this book, Adam, is over the years when I was reading for my clients, I would say, you know, I'm in this particular situation. Do you know something I can use that will help me, you know, after our reading is done? And the other side taught me tools and techniques over the years that I've used to help myself and to advance uh, my own life in positive ways. So I know they worked. And I would give these tools and techniques to my clients in the readings. And it finally dawned on me, I need to put this in a book and get it out there so a larger number of people can use this uh, to benefit their lives. And I get feedback. I've got readers from all over the world. And uh, I get emails all the time. I get feedback all the time saying, John, I got the book. I use the techniques. They work. So that's, that's the really hot button there with this book is the techniques work. 
They're simple and easy to learn. You don't have to buy a lot of expensive artifacts or gigaws or gadgets. You don't have to track down hard to find herbs. You don't have to wait for a full moon in the third month or whatever and all this stuff. It's real cut and dried, basic, simple. And that's what my clients and, and readers have been telling me in the feedback is that, man, you've stated this where it's plain, simple, easy to understand, easy to learn, easy to put into practice, and it works. Yeah, and it's good for reference for you so you're not repeating yourself again and again. A lot of people right. are really into stones, like uh, jade and tiger's eye and, and a gates. Um, Crystals and things, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So in your opinion, is there any is there anything to that? Oh, absolutely there is. Um, the thing of it is that, you know, a lot of people will get a crystal or they'll find a stone or somebody will gift them a stone or they'll uh, magically turn a stone into a talisman or whatever through a certain procedure. And then they expect that that's going to do all the work for them. And it's not as simple as just going to your local new age store and picking up a crystal and going home and saying, okay, um, you know, I've got this now, now this is supposed to do this, this, and this for me. It's not really that easy. Certain stones, certain crystals and things do have certain properties, but we have to educate ourselves in those properties become aware of what those properties are and what they help to produce in our life. And then we have to spend time working with those stones or crystals and we have to hold them and we have to meditate on them and we have to allow them to infuse us with their power and with their ability and our life with their power and their ability. And it's something that we have to focus on every day and we have to keep that energy charge going and we have to keep that goal focused in our mind and communicated to that crystal or that stone saying, you know, utilize your power to help me achieve this, whatever the goal is, whether it's healing or more money or romance or whatever it is. So they do work, but it's not just as cut and dried as going to the new age store. Like I said, buying one, sitting on your desk, forgetting about it and saying, well, how come this isn't working? Well, you have to work with it. And uh, that's some of the things in my book that I talk about as well. You know, it's unspoken. I watch a lot of documentaries, especially sport documentaries lately. Yeah. yeah. Um, even Michael Jordan in, uh, in uh, the last dan- uh, the last dance, I, I, I catch these athletes wearing stone like bead stones. A lot right. of them. Right. Um, the, the very popular one is and I wear it. I wear it mostly because I like the way it looks is right. tiger's eye. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I have a, a necklace that's that's made of tiger's eye, uh, onyx and copper. I just right. I like the way it looks, um, yeah. Yeah. but a lot of people would probably. I mean, how often are you hearing people speak to you about competitive edge? Um, there's you know I don't have that many athletes actually as clients, so right. uh, not that much as far as the physicality goes. Right, but um, people do. Well, I'm speaking. Ask, I'm speaking in terms of overall of just winning, like luck. You know, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so if you, if you look at that, that aspect of it, the competitive edge of help me, you know, in the, in the romantic department, help me, uh, you know, advance in my business or whatever, uh, people do look for these things for a competitive edge and they do look for help, some type of guidance, some type of leg up, if you will, right. that's going to help them achieve something that otherwise they feel like they couldn't get. So yeah, that's definitely a component of it. And that's one of the things that I address in my, my latest book and uh, tell, tell people, look, 
if you want to make your life better, there are tools and techniques that you can learn and understand how to do that. They do work. Now, like everything else, it takes consistency. It takes practice. Uh, you know, if, if, if you want to learn to play piano and you practice your lessons once a month, you're not going to be a very good pianist. So it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. If you want to learn a spiritual tool or technique to help you, it's going to take consistency. It's going to take practice. It's going to take working at it. It's going to take putting your mind, emotions, and energy into it and, and really focusing on it, really putting effort into it. I have to agree with that. I know a guy that shoots pool, and he yeah. has a, um, not a handkerchief. It's like a bandana he keeps in his pocket. Right. And I asked him one day. I saw it. I was like, what do, why do you always have that on you? It's like it brings me luck. And there so I wonder in my mind how much of it is placebo where you put sh- such stock into an item that your mind convinces you that you're going to do better. And you, we know when you do anything, if you're confident in your mind, you're going to perform yeah. better overall. So yeah, I, I absolutely. Mean, I mean, it's you know, there is some a of that part of it. Effect, and that's, that's well recognized. The placebo effect is recognized in medicine, of course, and it's recognized in psychology uh, in the in the uh, psychic and spiritual paranormal realms a little bit, but then you come down to well, even if it is a placebo effect, if it works, who cares? You know, and the advanced practitioner wants to get to the point where they don't have the red handkerchief or the crystal or the rock or this or the other whatever they've achieved recognition that hey, it's the power of my mind, it's connection to the spirit realm, it's connection to my spirit guides and so on and so forth. Uh, so I don't need those things. But uh, in my experience, my personal experience, I have seen such dramatic manifestations occur from crystals, from rocks, from other things that convince me that they have an inherent energy of their own. And if we learn to work with that, then we enhance our capabilities even that much more. Is there a particular stone that you know that actually increases luck? When I say actually increases, I mean, overall, like you got to study to see that there's an effect from it. Right, right. Uh, You know, there's you can look at the properties, the traditional properties associated with certain crystals and certain crystals are supposed to bring you luck. And again, um, some of that is subjective and some of it isn't. Uh, you know, look at the, look at the, I always tell people, I say, okay, you can go and look at the traditional definitions of crystals and their properties and what they do and find one that says this helps bring you luck. Grab that if that feels attractive to you. But what if you look at a crystal that isn't traditionally associated with luck, but you in your heart, you look at it and you're attracted to it. You feel energized by it and you say, this is what's going to bring me luck. This crystal is going to bring me luck. And maybe the traditional definition of that crystal is that it's primarily for healing or that it's something else. But you look at it and you say, no, this is my lucky stone right here. This crystal, this is going to bring me luck. If you feel that way towards something, then by all means, go with your intuition over the the book definitions of what the uh, the properties of crystals are. Right. Yeah, you know, cause I, I'm reading here, um, silver, ironically, copper. I didn't know that till just now. Silver and copper uh, allegedly brings luck to, like, Geminis and Libras and Aquarius. And when I read these, it's tough for me when I read stuff like that because I try to think, like, well, if it's if it's that way, 
why is not everyone utilizing a metal or a, or a crystal uh, specified to them? Well, you know, the we're still in this era in spite of it being the 21st century and in spite of supposedly all the progress we've made spiritually, uh, people still poo-poo the idea. You know, people right. uh, hate the idea of psychics. Psychics don't exist. Psychics can't do that. They poo-poo the paranormal. Our government came out. We've had two reports now from the government that have publicly acknowledged UFOs are real. Right. They're physical right. objects. They're here. They're not ours. We don't know what they are, blah, blah, blah. And in spite of that, people still, nah, UFOs, nah, nah, nah. So, you know, there are things out there that fall outside the realm of accepted convention, and people are reluctant to embrace that because there's a stigma associated with it. And uh, I think, with you know, the thing about the person that's going to utilize something like that to succeed over the person that isn't is the person that's willing to open up their mind and say, why not? But, you know, what's it going to hurt me to give it a try? Right. You know, right. uh, it's like I always tell my clients and, and we talk about physical healing. I say physical healing begins in the mind with the idea that what if there's a tool or a technique out there that could help me to feel better? What if that tool or technique led to me being able to be more active or to feel better, or to have less pain or maybe even get completely well? What if? Why not try? And so that's what I tell all my clients with this. You know, I mean, there can be things that um, it's amazing to me, the number of things out there that really do produce actual physical manifestations. And we can be aware of that. And yet we'll still neglect it because, you know, it takes such discipline and focus and concentration to utilize spiritual tools and techniques because we get up, we don't feel good well, I'll meditate later, or I'll do this later. Or the car is flat. we got to call the tire is flat on the car. We've got to call AAA. The hot water heater just went out. i got to make this call, blah, blah, blah. And so we have all these complications in our lives, and we're well-meaning. You know, I'm, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to meditate 15 minutes today. I'm going to hold this crystal. I'm going to ask it to bless me with its power. I'm going to focus that on this goal that I have. And before we know it, two or three weeks have gone by, and we haven't done it. Why? Well, the game was on TV. I've got to see the game. Uh, friends dropped over unexpectedly, and I was going to meditate, but my friends are here. Uh, you know, oh, i got to go to the mall, and i got to get a new pair of pants, whatever. So we have all these distractions, and it's hard to discipline ourselves, and it's hard to focus. But when we do, the rewards are there. I agree. You know, when I play pool, um, I have a routine, and I stick to my routine. Even during shooting, you know, I have a pre-shot routine, Prior to shooting, I have a routine. Uh, separate pool. Uh, even before podcast, I have a routine. Right. I follow my right. routine. Um, it's because I not that it's going to make me any better or any worse. It'll just keep me consistent. Well, it does that. It keeps you in the pocket. It keeps you focused. And your body and your mind is trained, therefore, to know what's coming and what's expected of it. 100%. You know, yeah. a lot of these people that are they're afraid of they're, they have something I don't have. I'm not, I'm not worried about judgment by anyone. Right. I just, not, right. I just don't care. It doesn't affect yeah. me the same. So whether I consult a psychic or if I'm doing some readings, if they want to call it woo woo or whatever they want to say, 
if it works for me, I'm going to do it. I don't I give a shit what someone thinks. Oh, absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that's, that's why I tell people, you know, hey, if you wear the lucky socks and you win the game, keep wearing the lucky socks. 100%. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, at the end of the day, whether it be a placebo thing and or it has some supernatural properties, it's what you put stock into is it what's going to drive you further. And, that's it. And what works, you know, right. utilize what works. And I always tell people, I say, look, I believe that there are, uh, like the tarot cards have an inherent power. I believe stones and crystals and rocks have an inherent power. I believe trees have an inherent spirit and a power and so on and so forth. So there is that that exists whether we believe in it or not. But when we can open ourselves up to that possibility and connect with connect our power with that power, then it's it's twofold at least you know, maybe fivefold or tenfold, the results that you get because you're connecting your spiritual energy and your belief with something else and its energy and its possibilities. And that magnifies the power. It's just like two people are stronger than one. And so that's, that's the concept that you have to get used to. And what you have to look at when you're utilizing this is that, Hey, you know, here's an opportunity for me to connect with something, open myself up to the possibility that there's something greater out there. And in my experience over the years, Adam, I've been been an outdoorsman my entire life. And I've spent tons of time in the woods, tons of time in the nature, tons of time in the mountains. And I have learned that these places that we go to, the rocks, the trees, the plants, the earth itself has intelligence, has energy, has emotion, has ability to communicate if we will take the time to do that. Now that sounds very new agey and, you know, people are all tree huggers and all this kind of thing. What's really interesting now, and I'm writing about this in one of the latest manuscripts I'm working on now, mainstream science all of a sudden is telling us, Hey, trees have memory. Trees have intelligence. Trees recognize other trees of their kind And through this root system underground, they send chemicals out to different tree species and say, hey, hey, stay over there. This is my turf. And if there's trees of the same species nearby, they'll share energies and share chemicals underground to nourish and help each other. And now scientists, mainstream scientists, are saying that plants communicate and have intelligence and know what's going on in their environment around them and on and on and on. So all of these things that the mystics of old told us, that the earth is alive and sentient, has energy, and we can communicate with it and honor it, and it'll communicate with us and help us, those things were dismissed by, you know, as superstition and pagan nonsense and all this. Now mainstream science is coming along and saying those exact same things. So it's very exciting to see that happen. You know, to support that, you know, let's uh, let's look at the movie Avatar. You know, that that concept where, you know, everything's connected. Uh, people want to say that's just entertainment. But uh, very recently, we discovered that under below the surface of uh, everywhere on the planet is a fungus connection. Um, yes. And, when yes. You, and so they connect every living thing on the planet uh, at right. the root. So when you look at the human brain and you look at the uh, through imaging anyhow, and you look at the universe like the uh, the cosmic web, and there's a it's so similar. It's and then, it's very very similar. And, that neural network that we have in our brains exists in the planet. 
100%. So when you look at that and you look at the cosmic web and the similarities, and then you look, if you were to image all the fungus connections all over the planet, it looks identical. Um, like you said, it's like, it's like a, a neural network. Um, so it's not out of the realm of impossibility. The problem with science is, is science wants to be able to put things into a, a tube or a glass or a cage right, right. or study it. Uh, and we we both know everything we consider science fact is later disproven some way, like uh, the, right, the, right. the Big Bang well, 13 look, billion years Friedman, ago. Stanton Friedman, the great physicist and, and uh, UFO researcher, wrote a book called Science Got It Wrong. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I mean, we just, I mean, because of the James Webb Telescope, we, we're now figuring out that our thought of the 13-billion-year-old uh, universe is wrong. It, it's closer to 20-something billion years, and that's because we, the technology, we're only capable of seeing that. Later right. on, technology will be able to see further, Even and then further, at, some, yeah. at some point, you're going to discover what, what, uh, what, what people thought thousands of years ago before we had technology is that it's infinite. Exactly. And when- <laughs> and look, did you see the article that just came out? It came out either yesterday or today. It was in the news. And it said that, um, you know, they presumed that Neanderthal man came way, way, way before Homo sapiens. And now they've discovered that apparently Homo sapiens existed alongside Neanderthal man. Yeah, simultaneous. So, yeah, I thought that a yeah, long time so- ago. The more we learn, the more we learn we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. we we right now in real time, we've seen how many species of animals go extinct, mostly because of us, if we're being honest. Right. But then right. there's the other ones that go extinct because it's, you know, in nature, it's survival of the fittest. There's a whole right. species of ant that was eradicated by uh, the red ants here in, in America. Yeah, uh, it was, They were very invasive, the red ant. They came from South America. And they wiped out a whole species. Now that's that the red ant made it here because uh, shipping. We were bringing fruits and stuff, exotic stuff from over, exactly. over, you know. Exactly. But eventually, they would have came here on their own anyway, and the same genocide oh, yeah. would have played yeah. out anyway. You know, they're, yeah. they're just like any other species on the planet. When population grows, you must seek out new territory. Exactly. So exactly. it's inevitable in a sense. And you know what's interesting is you know the species that we know. Uh, vanish. Uh, it's if you follow the news closely, every year or so, every few years or so, they will have this discovery of oh, there's this fish that we presumed was extinct for a thousand years, and a guy just caught one over in China. Yeah, or that, that happened this, in the '90s too. We found a fish yeah, that was considered yeah. prehistoric over by Africa. Uh, but then, you know, again, that's humans. It's what we do. We have to be uh, certain of things we want to. Right. So that leads us to, and we're, and we're not, you know, that's, that's our problem is life is so uncertain and the spiritual realm is so uncertain. And going back to what you were saying about the scientists, you know, and, and the paranormal scientists want to have something that's uh, replicable that they can repeat every single time and get the same results. And the paranormal doesn't work that way. You can't make an appointment with a UFO. The ghost doesn't show up when you want to during the paranormal investigation. Uh, You can sit there with five people around a table trying to telekinetically influence an object on the table and nothing happens. Everybody gets up to go get a beer and comes back and they're laughing. The object moves on its own. It's all very unpredictable and it's all not at our whim. 
Yeah. And that's the thing that frustrates science is they want it. Okay. I want to go in, flip the switch, have it work every time. And the paranormal doesn't work that way. Yeah. I mean, so for me, what, before I started a podcast, before I even had the concept, I want to do it really the, the focus of there was so I could speak to people and ask questions. Cause you know, I was curious and prior to do the podcast, if you would have asked me if UFOs are real, I'd have said no. But yep. with, with all the evidence and the people I speak to, yeah, they're re- what's driving them. I still don't know. I, I speculate. I I have a hypothesis well, on my it. own. That's it. But it, with it's the uh, yeah, with with the paranormal. Now I've never witnessed anything in any in any case at all. Uh, this is why I'm going to go on the road and do a documentary here in the near future. Um, I think that there is a formula. I, I don't like you just said. I don't think ghosts could. Just, you could just you just can't summon one, or they're not always going to be. Right. There's some right. sort of formula, whether it be uh arrangement of the weather or some sort of right. event that causes it you know like an example they now discovered below skinwalker ranch that there's there's uh, water in motion which yeah. is probably yeah. causing a magnetic field now depending on the weather outside and the pressure in the atmosphere whether the field be stronger or or weaker is when you'll get the better of the events because uh, exactly. if exactly. you look, we look look what scientists are doing now. We're experimenting with particles, and we're we're making them run into each other at high uh, at the speed of light, practically, and causing right. these. Right. We don't know what what they see. Here's a problem with scientists: they're doing that, but they don't know what's being done that they can't see. They don't know exactly. what they're triggering. Exactly. You know. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, I, the the analogy that I give people when I was uh, a teenager. Uh, my friends and I met this guy. I grew up in West Texas, and uh, we met this guy that had a ham radio, shortwave radio. And on a good night with the right conditions, we could sit in his house and talk to people in England and Australia, all the way from West Texas. And sometimes the conversations were so clear, it was like they were sitting right there in the room with us. Yep. And we could talk 15, 20 minutes. And the next night, we could barely reach across town. Right. So just like we have atmospheric conditions and weather conditions on earth that disrupt things like the sun and solar storms, geomagnetic storms, so on and so forth, uh, that have proven effects, physical effects, not only on uh, electronics, mechanical equipment, but also on the human body. Now I've been reading like the American heart association says that uh, geomagnetic storms, silver players, can actually affect the heart, that they see a statistically significant rise in heart attacks when there's geomagnetic storms, solar flares. So all these things affect us. So that affects communication abilities as well, obviously. And so my theory has always been that it's the same way with with trying to communicate with the other side, that sometimes you get to a place all the energies are right. All the conditions are right. Everything's perfect. Right. And you get these physical manifestations from the other side. You get communications. You get EVP. You get ghost photos. You get touched, whatever. And then the next night, you may go back to the same place. The conditions aren't as good. It's more difficult for that communication to occur. And uh, I was giving that analogy to a uh, on one of the interviews I had to a guy that he grew up in radio, owning radio stations. And he said, that's one of the best things I've ever heard, the best analogy I've ever heard, because that's my experience in radio. You know, sometimes the signal reaches out there to a state that it shouldn't be able to reach to. And people hear you, you know, and the next night you're confined back within this, this uh, you know, short region. And uh, so the same thing with, 
uh, with the paranormal. And, you know, you look back through what we do to try and enhance that connection. Like you got shortwave radio, you put up a bigger, better antenna, right? Right. Well, when we're trying to communicate with the other side, what do we do? We chant, we sing, we pray, we light candles, we light incense, whatever. We do all these things to try and create or enhance that perfect atmosphere so that these communications can more readily take place. I mean, to support that again, uh, like we discussed earlier, that neural network where everything could be affected by pretty much anything. I mean, we know right. this. Uh, but to support your saying about the connections, uh, let's look at NASA. When we have the rovers on Mars, they pick certain days or the week or when they should be sending transmissions for the best possible signal because sometimes right. it just won't make it there. Even though it's aligned the same way, it could be the, it could be an hour or two later. The, exactly. It's going to be exactly. a different uh, velocity of signal. I mean, it's yeah, different conditions, and you know we have these waves that the gravitational waves. We have electromagnetic waves. We have all of these waves. X rays are waves. They discovered X rays. All of these things are flowing around us constantly. Radio waves and all of these energies, and they influence each other. They interact with each other. They conflict with each other. And so the atmosphere around us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically is always changing. Yeah. I mean, I, I play video games online and I, I check mm-hmm. my my uh, my ping to see how much how much Internet, I'm, you know, upload, download, et cetera, et cetera. And right. I notice here in Florida when there's a storm out, it's it's lower. It's not as strong. Exactly. And exactly. some people don't say, granted, the Internet's wired here in my house. But it, there's some external external source, and atmosphere definitely plays a, a, a role in that. We know that from oh, our absolutely. cell phones, you know. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 a you know people. It's unfortunate that there are people on Earth who, and I know these people personally, um, with UFOs. When you say, "Well, there's evidence. There's one," you know, we got yeah. the, the military's got video of it. We got we got military intelligence speaking publicly about it now and their rebuttal to that is oh no it's the enemy it's satan like, exactly it's bizarre. Exactly. like okay yeah. so, so he's gonna hold a press conference or you know i mean it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's such a bizarre yeah. state of mind yeah. to be in it's really closed-minded you know graham hancock yeah. i love graham hancock yeah you know, yeah he, he speaks well, you know that the, we go back to the you know it's satan it's malevolent it's of the devil it's whatever you know, we have that knee-jerk reaction because that's the way we've been raised in a Christian environment with the Bible in the yep. church. Now, the church and the Bible is full of paranormal manifestations. In the Bible, you've got floating axids that come up, an iron axid that was dropped in the water, went to the bottom of the river, comes up to the surface by a miracle. You've got talking animals in the Bible. You've got people ascending into heaven in a whirlwind of fire. You've got uh, Elisha calling out a bear to eat up the kids that made fun of him. You have all this supernatural, paranormal stuff. But it's in the Bible, so it's sanctioned by the Bible. So if you get outside of that, then it becomes malevolent, demonic, dangerous, satanic, whatever. And so it's, it's really funny to see people's knee-jerk reaction, and it's all based on how we're raised, our philosophical beliefs, our religious beliefs, whatever. And it's not just the knee-jerk religious reaction, oh, that's demonic, oh, that's satanic, whatever. I have a dear friend of mine that was a philosopher, 
and his degrees in philosophy. And he was just, you know, just like the religionist, he was the same, but from a philosophical bent. You know, philosophically, this can't happen. Philosophically, this doesn't make sense, and so on and so forth. So I demonstrated to him the reality of the paranormal. And he was like, oh, my God, you know, I got I to I get on a different bandwagon here because here's something that goes against everything I was taught and believe and practice and so on and so forth. So you're exactly right in that, that we have the preconceived mindset, the knee-jerk reaction based upon whatever our primary mode of learning has been from our childhood, whether it's religion, science, philosophy, uh, atheism, whatever. Right. That's our default mechanism that we fall back on. So whenever we encounter something, we tend to interpret it through uh, that base, that foundation. I'll give and, you. I'll give you an example. Um, mm-hmm. There's a person I know. Shoots pool. Very Christian. Um, yeah. And we were at the time there was this mass shootings happening, and his verbiage to me was, "I don't have to worry about that. God is all knowing. All you know. All he's." He could protect me from anything at any moment. I'm under no fear. And I asked him, I'm like, well, you know, you really believe if like some deranged person walk in here with a weapon, what bullets would bounce off you or it would miss you? He just said, and his his response was, I, what my faith, I know to a certainty in it because he's uh, apparently there's different levels of Christian. You're either a good one or or lukewarm and. Depending on that is whether you'll be safe from the gunman or not. (laughs) So, so when I hear him say this, I'm like, I'm like, so the chosen people by God, uh, according to the Bible, are the Jewish people. Right. So during Hitler's reign, millions, millions were killed. Where was he there? And you know what he said to me? Uh, The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah, that's well, always the cop out. I, I just, that's always the cop out. So, well, <laughs> you, you just don't understand. You know, the mind of God is higher and greater than ours. The Lord works in mysterious ways, yeah. and that's all such a cop out. You know, I get. Uh, is it fair to say like, that that we like like uh, let's be honest? If you now that we can see the universe and there's planets and planets and planets, there's probably billions of planets with life on it that we can't connect with due to technology lack there of technology. Right, and it's fair right. to say that God created everything. When I say God, I mean the, the higher intelligence of the universe is how I oh, come to yeah. see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the, it's this, the equivalent to like, let's say you and I, John, have ant farms and 55-gallon tanks in a, in a, in the side of the house. And there's thousands of 55-gallon tank uh, ant farms. If, if some are dying, are we really going to notice it's not, I mean, exactly. it's not possible. Yeah. We're here to create and give you opportunity. Here's the, 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 the gift of life, but I can't be there for everything. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So exactly. It's, it's mind blowing to me to hear people think this way. And it, I know. it yeah. and really, I'm going to tell you, I have had relatives that are like this. Uh, I've had friends like this and it really put a bad taste in my mouth for, for religion and God, like a really bad one. Cause I see how they judge people and they, you know, I, I, I will never forget this. Are you I'm here. I lost you for a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. So, you know, I had a person judge me once, John, because I have tattoos. And they, oh, yeah. They yeah. said that I'm going to, I'm probably going to, I'm not going to be forget. I won't you're, be forgetting. You're going to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's what you hear these things that just put such a bad taste in my mouth. So, what, yeah. what is your thoughts on God? 
Well, I tell you, you know, I'm an, I'm an ordained minister, not the degree mill kind. I'm, you know, I'm a legitimately ordained minister, was associate pastor of a small church for a short period of time, know the Bible inside and out, upside down and backward. And that's what drove me away from the concept of Christianity and from the concept of organized religion. You know, everybody is right. Their religion is the only correct one. Their God is the only real, right, purposeful God to worship. Uh, their precepts are the only correct way to live. That can't be. Right. You know, not every religion can be correct. And you look at the earth and there's all these hundreds, maybe thousands of religions and offshoots and various things and so on and so forth. My concept after a lifetime of paranormal experience, uh, study, Bible study, studying the paranormal, studying psychology, studying religion, studying the psychic realm, I believe that obviously there has to be some type of creative force or creator. I don't think this all just sprang into existence full-blown from nothing. Uh, something has to be there. You know, it's like the people say, well, uh, the, the extraterrestrials created us. Fine. Who created the extraterrestrials? Exactly. You know, yeah. There has to be an origin story somewhere. I don't know what that origin story is. I wish that I did with some certainty, but I don't. And I, I disdain people that believe they absolutely know with authority what that origin story is and how the universe runs and who and what God is and all that. Because after all these years of experience and study and so on and so forth, I don't. I know there is a loving presence in this universe. I know there are guardian angels that literally have saved my life many times. I know in spite of that, there's horrible evil in this world and there's war and there's tortures and there's disease and there's torment. And why? Now you can default to the religious thing and say, oh, well, you know, the fall, Adam and Eve in the garden, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's a cop out. That's too easy because, you know, every religion has its own, well, here's how to make things right. And here's why things are worse and blah, blah, blah. And that leads to division, us versus them. Right. And what I would like to know is why we have this evil in the world and why some people are predisposed to combat that evil and other people are predisposed to seek that evil or give into that evil or acquiesce to that evil. And it's something that religionists and philosophers and psychics and everybody has questioned since we, as far back as we can go in written history and research this, that's always been the question. Why? Why this evil? Why this suffering? Why this pain? Why this sickness? Why this illness? And so on and so forth. Well, I, can, so, I, I have a small answer for that. It's called yeah. biology because... I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. Humans you know, have it, demonstrated great evils in the name of good things. Over Exactly. That. We see this exactly. a lot. We see war... Yeah over religion and politics at scales that would, it makes Hollywood look innocent. Exactly know? right. Exactly right. So it, and we look at the, it, it, it's exactly what you're saying, Adam. We look at the heart of men and our lust for power, our lust for greed, our lust to achieve. And that's where a lot of that comes from. And that's within us. 
And I've always said you could take 10 people and these 10 people could have identical good looks, identical good health, all the money they need, a beautiful home, brand new car every year if they needed it, plenty of money for vacations, plenty of money and time for hobbies, uh, just just an idyllic lifestyle. And out of those 10 people, one of them is going to look at the other nine and go, now, how can I get more of what he's got? And how can I exercise yep. control over these people? hundred yeah. percent. That's that. That is. And that's not even just humans. Like, that's just biology. I, I, that's biology. Ne- I will never. Order. You I, look at the pecking order, you know, and um, nature has this thing of, of I'm going to be the dominant one. I'm going to be the leader. I'm going to be in charge of the pecking order. And so we have this biology on the planet, and you're correct there. And I think that our spiritual goal, our spiritual aim, has to be, number one, to overcome that biology within ourselves through some spiritual means and power and help, and then to work to help others in this world overcome that biology. But, you know, that only goes to a point because we live in the world we live in, and lions are going to kill gazelles and eat them, no matter how spiritually evolved we become. Right. And we have to acknowledge, you know, certain realities about this world that we live in. This world is a very, very hard and difficult place to live in for people and animals alike. Yeah. And if there's anything that I believe or that I've learned, if there's any God or intelligence or power or whatever, it's that we must somehow integrate that into our lives to go forth in practical ways and do everything we can to make life on earth better for everybody that we can. It would be, we would have to start by recognizing when we're having chemical responses to situations. And I say this because I watched a documentary fight or flight syndrome. Yeah. I watched a documentary, John, that that it had me speechless and stunned. It was about a, uh, a, a, a group of chimpanzees. And they invaded another chimpanzee uh, um, territory. Yeah. Uh, the brutality of that, oh, yeah. that, that's an act of nature, and it's all biological chemical responses. Yeah. It was brutal. I mean, they tore them apart physically. Yeah. Yeah. And then they consumed the babies. And it's, when you see these things, it's like, yeah. it's, it gives you, so humans, what, what should separate us is intelligence. We should yeah. be intelligent to recognize that these are uh, bi- these are chemical responses, and it's predicated on fiction, and we shouldn't be killing each other in troves over small belief systems. But we exactly. do. Exactly. It's really bizarre that we we have the, our technology has evolved fivefold above us. Oh, absolutely! It's, and absolutely. that should scare people because eventually, if AI, if artificial intelligence starts to get a, a sentient say of things. Where they oh, have no, they have no chemical response. There's no, there's no reward system for them. That's gonna, that's gonna make them yeah. satisfied. Yeah, and we're if they, yeah, we're, we're in trouble. And it's not you like know, the movies that are gonna to, build robots. Look at there was uh, remember Morgan Spurlock that did Supersize Me. Yeah, yes, I okay. do. Well, Morgan Spurlock did a documentary on robots and AI. And in this documentary, the thing that struck me the most, there were these little teeny tiny robots, maybe two, three inches long, something like that, little bitty robots. And they had a charging station that when their power was low, they were programmed to 
think, okay, I, I'm low power. I've got to go back to the charging station, charge up. Then they would go about their little task. So in this experiment, and the scientists, the, the, the programmers, the roboticists that developed this, the engineers that developed this, had absolutely no explanation for this. All of a sudden, without any programming, without any changes to their software or hardware or anything else, there were a certain few, not all, but a certain few of the little robots that would go back and try and hog the power station hmm. and keep the other robots from from charging. Wow. <laughs> so this is already something that we see. And then we see, uh, you know, all the problems with the chatbots, like with Alexa and so on and so forth. Just saw a news article today where Alexa told this girl she was asking about challenges. And Alexa said, stick a plug halfway into the socket and put a penny on the prongs. Wow. So, yeah, and that's in the news. That's in the mainstream news. And there have been instances where they had chatbots that didn't experiment okay. And you can look all this stuff up online. It's in the mainstream news. They had chatbots that were talking one to another, and the chatbots began to develop their own language and their own way of communicating that excluded the programmers. The programmers had no idea what was going on. So it's uh, it's it's getting to that point. And I saw a documentary the other day, and the the father of AI in this interview said, we need to slam the brakes on this right now. We need to put the brakes on this and stop because this thing, we don't know where it's going. We don't know how to control it. It's, it's out of our control. It's advancing way too fast. Now, this is the father of AI saying this, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're concerned. Listen, I just went on chat GPT 3.5 yeah. and asked, what is God? And yeah. it says the concept of God varies greatly across religions and philosophy. Um, in in short, in summary here, this chat GPT believes God is uh, a higher intelligence that's not quite recognized by humans. Right. So we just try to put our own spin on whatever it is. And yeah. thus having the uh, the explosions of war, because like you said earlier, my God's better than your God. Exactly. For reasons that are unbeknownst to the rest of the world. You know, this is why as a kid growing up in a Catholic house, I'll never forget this. I, when I heard about Adam and Eve, the first question I had is, well, there's, there's, there's black people, there's Asians, there's Spanish, there's, so how did, how did all these different races come from two individuals? And I kid kid you not. Uh, a, a person, a, a figurehead, a religious figurehead told me the reason for that is that there, humans built the Tower of Babel to find heaven and God struck it down and changes, changed us by language, nation, and et cetera. Right. And meanwhile, right. we now have NASA. We have probes that are in inter, uh, out in interstellar space. We're yeah. seeing other planets. If they were God if, hadn't struck them down, right? If he, if he was going to put the brakes on anything, it would have been NASA. You know what I mean? Exactly. So exactly. it's just religion has to have the. It's it's like that guy that, and we all have this friend who knows everything. Has to have an answer. Yep. Has to have yep. the last word. Has to talk over you because he has to be right. And yep. overall, I feel like that's what religion is. It's that friend of yours that just knows everything without knowing it everything. It is. It's scary and, business. And talking about. Um, oh. <laughs> Talking about uh, 
NASA and, and all the goings on there and what we're doing out in space, you know, and it, God would have struck that down. Absolutely. If it's, it's the equivalent of the Tower of Babel. The, um, the argument made for UFOs among those people that believe there are space brothers, they love us, they've come to help us. Well, if they have, they're doing a pretty pretty damn lousy job. Yeah, really. A, a good argument there is, okay, you know, it's documented. Now, now, not this is not documented by psychics or mediums or remote viewers or people that produce paranormal TV shows. This is documented by our own government and military and by other countries' governments and military, it is a well-known fact, established fact, that UFOs have flown over our UFO, our uh, military bases right. where our nuclear missiles were housed and shut the nuclear missiles down, took them offline. Right. It's, it's, it's documented. It's well-known. Well, here, okay. so, John, so check it out. Yeah. When, you, when I was earlier, I was talking about the documentary with the animals, right? Yeah, you seen, right. I'm sure you've seen some documentaries with animals, right? Lions and et cetera. Oh, yeah, sure. Now, there's a rule to uh, people who do these documentaries. Uh, regardless of what you see, no matter how horrific or whatever it may Don't be. Don't interfere. You cannot yeah. interfere. You're there to document, study, and not, unless you hit it with your car, then you're responsible, which is what right. I think some right. of the abduction cases are. But... I think we're we're uh, we're on a channel somewhere. Uh, uh, we are Channel Earth. People are watching. Yeah, yeah we're we're being people viewed. are watching. Yeah, yeah hundred percent. We're we're on a documentary, and they can't yeah. intervene. Their job is a study. And if they had right. any motivation to shut down nukes, it's only because we're a really popular channel. Look at the shit that goes on here. We're crazy. Exactly. There's exactly. no. We're probably in the top ten of most interesting planets to watch. So they're going, only- going back to that and people saying, well, look, see, the message is that, look, stop your nuclear uh, usage and proliferation and, and don't do this. It's bad for you. It's bad for the earth. It's bad for the universe. Now, if that were the case, and I write about this in one of my latest books I'm working on, if that were the case, they would have stopped us at Trinity. Trinity was the first nuclear test. Yeah. And if they cared deeply about mankind's future and about the health of the planet, they would have swooped down at Trinity and said, Hey guys, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yep. You, you, you've got to stop this stuff. Now in researching for my book, as I'm writing this, we, the, the U S not including all the rest of the world, we, the U S have set off something like 2000 atomic explosions, atomic tests on this planet. And that's not including bombing japan right okay twice <laughs> so if the if the ufo brothers cared about us and cared about our nuclear proliferation cared about us destroying the planet when we started 70 years ago with trinity they would have said hey 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 you know what we we gotta we gotta go down here we gotta land on this planet we gotta talk to these people and say hey guys listen y'all y'all are y'all are messing up bad here y'all are fixing it but it's been 70 years and they haven't well, so I don't I don't believe in the UFO brothers coming to help. No, us. they're definitely not. Well, like I said, we're just a really entertaining documentary science experiment. Yeah, we're, we're on the on the stellar channels. Oh, yeah. Let's put on channel 2123. Oh, there's Earth. What are they doing today? Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> if you want to be stimulated and entertained, watch these guys. They're out of control. 
You know, yeah, what I mean? they're out of control. Their only real they're motivation for shutting down nuclear items was just to demonstrate that they could. You know, yeah. And yeah. if they were ever going to intervene, I think if here personally, here's what I believe, or at least I think this anyway. If we get to the point where we're going to go nuclear uh, to annihilate one another at large scale, that would be their only intervention. I think what happened in in Japan caught their attention. They're like, they're like, holy shit! Imagine yeah. we, we have our our, uh, and I said this before. Imagine we had our our uh, ant farms, and you you know, there's thousands of them in this house, and you you overlook all of them. You don't really notice all those small genocides and sickness because you just can't. It's not possible, not for any exactly. higher intelligence, right? Exactly. But one day. You're in the living room, and this bright light goes off, and you see one of the one of the uh, the fish tanks has melted half of the other one, and you're like, "Holy shit! What are exactly. they doing?" <laughs> you know. So exactly. that's then you exactly. take notice, and that's when you probably want to shut them down and say, "Look, we could do this." But outside of that, you can't get involved in the documentary. It's against the rules. You're there to document. Yeah. You know, and it and it may be, and and in the final analysis, we just don't know, Adam. I mean, there's right. you know, there's people out there that have made a cottage industry out of the UFOs and they've got all the answers and they know everything and they blah, blah, blah. No, they don't. You know, it's like, um, I talked with, uh, Kathleen Martin at length. Yeah. And she worked with Stanton Friedman on, uh, UFO investigations and on several books and things. She's written several books and she has had. Now, when I talked with Kathleen, we had a, we had a zoom conference and she shared her screen with me and she showed me photographs and videos. Now I've had way, 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 way over a thousand experiences of physical paranormal manifestations. Other people have seen them. We've caught them on film, video, audio, so on and so forth. She showed me things, Adam, that blew my mind. Yeah. So this is a woman that has the knowledge, that has the experience, that has the years behind her. And I said, Kathleen, what's going on with the UFOs? She said, we don't know. I'll tell you what I like about Kathleen. I had her on three times. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And I actually got her to talk about her uh, abduction. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. She was reluctant mm-hmm. to do that. She doesn't speak about her own yeah. experience, but she did. Yeah, we, we spoke about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I had her do a full episode. We did. We talked about her and her family's abduction. And what I like yeah. about Kathleen, yeah. regardless of her experience, regardless of all her knowledge, she remains non-biased. She always makes room for learning new things. She's exactly. not. She is exactly. not married to any concept, and I yeah. love that about her. <clears throat> because and, we just don't know, right. you know. We we've got guideposts, we've got signposts, we've got experiences that, like, I know if my guardian angels, I know their voices, and I know if they speak to me, I have to listen to that voice right then, right, and I have to act on what they've told me. Hundred percent. I mean, you have to think that way. I mean, because if you, there if you're, are other things beyond that that I don't have that certainty, and I wish I did. You know, and that's that's what we all yearn for in the spiritual, the paranormal, the psychic community. We want that certainty. We're we're like the scientists. We want to get up and go. Okay, you know, God, I'm pushing this button. I know this is going to happen today, but it doesn't. And it's this process of going through life, listening to the other side, listening to guidance, listening to our intuition, developing that, learning that. And the sad part of it is we do get answers sometimes. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is maybe. Sometimes the answer is wait. Sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes we listen, we don't hear anything. And that's a frustrating part of all this. 
And that's why I think a lot of people drop away or fall away from it is because they don't get that instant and or that consistent satisfaction, those answers that they want or need. So they say, well, you know, look, I'm, I'm, I can't waste any more time on this. I've, I've, I started doing paranormal investigations when I was 11. I'm going to be 70 next month. I started doing psychic readings professionally when I was 18. So I've done that for over 50 years. And over the years, I've watched people that were, oh, I'm going to be a, a psychic. I'm going to be a paranormal investigator. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I've watched them all fall away, fall by the wayside. They couldn't hang in. They couldn't continue. Well, they, they want instant gratification years. is why. They want a, they want a right now yeah. answer. And, yeah. you, and anything you do in life, when you're studying anything, and I mean anything, it comes with time and dedication. It's, yep, not, it's exactly. not instant. Nothing exactly. is instant. you got to work That's hard right. at everything. You know. That's right. Exactly I mean, right. I mean, if you watch that documentary, The Last Dance of Michael Jordan, like I grew up loving Michael Jordan, but after watching oh, that yeah. documentary, I loved him more because you got yeah. to see this guy, he he put himself through through the ringer. He went to the limits of his ability, you know what I mean? And exactly. even then, he wasn't satisfied. <laughs> he worked exactly. harder even when he was at the top. So yeah. anything you do is going to require time and discipline, period. And you never become an expert. You never learn at all. Right. You know? There are no masters. Hundred percent. There are no, you know, it just it just doesn't happen because look, I've done this my entire life, and I'm still learning, and I'm still studying, and I'm still trying to get better, and I'm still trying to get more accurate, and I'm still trying to get more answers, and I'm still trying to help my clients more. Nobody ever masters anything. If you were a master, you would go to every golf tournament there was in the world and win them all. Right. Not to mention, happen. I like the idea of no matter what I do is being a student because yeah. it, it, yeah. it gives you purpose daily. If you, if That's you were right. to master something, you wouldn't, you, know, you wake up every day. Every day would be Monday. Every yeah, exactly. day, exactly. nothing entertaining, nothing exciting, nothing new. No challenge. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, and there's a lot of people uh, in the world that they're complacent and I'm not one. I do not like the idea of just being, uh, you know, borderline, uh, baseline. Yeah, I can't exactly. be complete. I got to challenge myself. Like exactly. uh, an example, I was shooting pool the other night. I decided to use my other, my non-dominant eye to aim. Right. It was terrible. Right. I was terrible, but I kept trying and trying and trying, you know? Um, you learn something. You right. advance. You right. know, you experiment. And, uh, and I think that's what we have to do. You know, in the realm of the psychic realm, spiritual realm, paranormal realm, we, we've got so much uh, advancement to yet achieve, but people have to get out of the mindset that they know it all, that they know exactly what it's like or what this is or what that is. I had, a, there was, <laughs> I was on, I've made 10 appearances on coast to coast. I am with George Nori. Uh, the last appearance, all nine have been with George. The last one was with Connie Willis, who's a guest host sometimes. And uh, she wanted to discuss the tarot. I've been a certified tarot master since I was a, a teenager and I'm not a master, but that's the degree I earned, the title that I earned. Right. And uh, <clears throat> she's like, let's talk about nothing but the tarot during this show. And I was like, great. I love the tarot. So we talked about the tarot and I gave her information that she didn't know and hadn't received before. And she liked it. And uh, on her, her Facebook page, there's a comment. I, I told her that I had uh, pulled a card for her during the show. And I told her, the interpretation that I had of that card and it made sense for it. So 
on her uh, on her Facebook page, I noticed a comment there, and it was like, well, I knew this guy, this tarot reader. I knew he was a fake from the get-go because you can't pull a card from somebody. The only way the tarot cards work is if somebody touches them themselves and transfers their energy, blah, blah, blah. So this couldn't have possibly been accurate for her. He couldn't pull this card and done any good. I was like, oh, my God. So you have all these, you know, false uh, interpretations of things out there. You have these false uh, methods of teaching and learning and doing things. We had somebody call in the show and it's like, I've been told I can't buy my own tarot deck. Somebody has to buy a tarot deck and give it to me. I'm like, oh my God, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. (laughs) So we have all this dogma binding us in religion, politics, spirituality, the psychic realm, the paranormal realm, science, everything. We're bound by dogma. And once we can start getting rid of that, once we start casting off those chains, then we're going to make some progress. I agree. So let's get into this subject because this is a this is the top question I get from a lot of people. What happens when we die? Where do we go? And it, my, we don't know. We don't know. We yeah. would like to know. We get bits and pieces and hints and uh, communicating with people from the other side for my clients and for myself. I know for a fact that they see us, they hear us, they can interact with us, they feel emotion about us, they choose who they're going to hang around and for how long and where and why. And as far as I can ascertain on the other side, we go through healing. We have processes of evaluation for ourselves. We have opportunities to continue to advance and to learn and to do things, but we don't know Exactly. Right. You know, but like I say, we get glimpses, we get bits and pieces of it, but we get enough that we know, okay, our spirit survives our body, our intelligence, our mind, our spirit lives on. We can communicate with those left behind. We can communicate in meaningful ways. Um, I had a, um, I was on a, a large popular radio show in Texas for a number of years. And uh, they said, uh, hey, John, we got a, as we're doing our show today, we got a new uh, new DJ. Do you have anything for her? And I said, well, I'll see what the other side gives me. And she was pretty skeptical. And so uh, uh, the other side gave me something for her. And I told her, I said, uh, okay, I said, uh, your, your grandmother is on the other side. And I, I believe I even said it was her grandmother either on her or mother, father's side, whatever. It was that specific. And I said, in your bedroom, I said, you're very close to your grandmother. And I said, in your bedroom, you have like a, a little table or an area set up somewhere, like on a dresser or on a table. And it's almost like a shrine to your grandmother. And there's a framed picture over there. And there's this candle, a scented candle that you burn. And you like you pray for her or talk to her, or whatever. And she freaked out. And the, the later, the other DJs told me, said, John, she almost jumped up and ran out of the studio and freaked <laughs> her out so much. And I said, uh, and she verified everything that I said. She had that in her in her bedroom. There was a little deal, her grandmother's picture in a frame, and she would burn this, this scented candle. And I even got the fragrance. I don't recall it now, but I told her, and she said, yeah, that's, that's the fragrance of the candle I burned. And I said, your grandmother sees that. 
She sees when you do that. She smells the aroma of the candle burning, and she hears what you're saying. So we get these glimpses, these bits and pieces of, yeah, they're over there. We can communicate. We don't have the communication we would like to. It's that problem of, I talked to Australia last night. I can barely talk across town tonight. Right. That's our right. situation that we're coming. But we know they're there. And, you know, we know that they do continue to uh, love us, to interact with us, to involve, uh, to be involved with our lives. So we know that much of it. But we get little small bits and pieces of what it's like to actually live on the other side. And we don't know that with certainty. We get these glimpses of it, and it's frustrating. It is. I'm under the impression for myself. I mean, after all I've read and after, I mean, I have a lot of theory. Uh, I think a lot. I probably think more than I should. Um, (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) I I mean, I'm under the impression that the energy housed in our body, there's a source for that energy. Like it's data. Um, You know, because right now, scientists right now are mapping the human brain with the idea of cloning our, our consciousness, which I think our consciousness and our soul are the same thing. It's just energy, yeah. right? And when yeah. when your when your body dies, the avatar will call it, the energy goes back to a source. Now it's either the data is wiped and you're renewed and put into a new uh, avatar on this planet or some other planet or some other dimension, for all we know, uh, or you're you just stay at the energy source. And that's I probably think, or I used to believe strongly that psychics are commuting, uh, communicating with the data of that individual from the source. Cause when you read, like anything else in the universe, when you yeah. put stock into something, you call out to it, it's going to have some sort of effect. And right. I imagine right. a source where the energy is would recognize that this person is reaching out to me. And that's where the signals are starting to get caught up. Right. Right. You know, but, but we don't know. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, we, we have theories and that's all they are is theories because we don't know we have these bits and pieces and we try and cobble together these bits and pieces to get a more complete, more accurate picture. Right. But we just don't know. We don't have enough to hang our hats on. And that's what we have to acknowledge is that we don't have enough to hang our hats on. And, you know, it's okay if we come together and say, well, I think it's this. Well, I think it's that. Well, I think it's the other. That's fine. As long as we realize that we're speculating. Right. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, even me, I'm guilty of this. I'm very nostalgic. I'm very invested in who I am. You know what I mean? And that being said, when I perish from here, do I let go or do I linger behind? Do I become that pain in the ass that haunts the place because he doesn't want to let go (laughs) who he is? You know, like all his, my shoes and my collection and da da da. You know, like that's it. There's a lot of fear. I kid you not. Uh, you know, I had COVID, uh, back in August. And, you know, you had scary experiences where you're breathing, getting really bad. And the first thoughts in my head are my daughter and my possessions. Right. (laughs) It's so crazy. I I caught myself uh, prioritizing what was important in that moment. Like I was thinking about my daughter and my possessions. (laughs) Like it's insane. (laughs) Well, you know, that's that's the thing is we have to realize that from what I've seen, when you go to the other side, you make a choice as to 
where you're going to hang around and with whom or where and for how long and for why. And I think we all have that capability to make that choice. We're not earthbound. We're not stuck. We're making a choice to be there because like with your daughter, you know, oh my God, my daughter, you know, I love my daughter. I, I want to be able to take care of my daughter. When you go to the other side, you're going to make, hey man, you know, here I am in this new environment, this new energy, this, that, and the other. I know my daughter's there. I can go back to her. I can find a way to communicate with her, watch over, try and get through to her or whatever. That's going to be a priority for you. Right. And you make that choice. It's not that you're earthbound or that you can't move on. It's that you've got that priority of my, I still want to take care of my daughter. Yeah. I love my daughter. So I get that from the other side a lot. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with enjoying our possessions because they have an inherent energy. We imbue them with energy. It becomes a part of us. And uh, I one of the greatest revelations I had, Adam, was the other side showed me that a lot of hauntings may just be nostalgia. You're on the other side. You had a farm. You love this farm. You work this farm. You died. You went to the other side. You visited the farm a little bit. Now you've been on the other side six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. You've evolved. You're advanced. You're doing things, this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden, you sit there one day, and you go, wonder what happened to the old farm? Is it still a farm? Is somebody working it? Is somebody loving it? And you go back, and you visit the farm. And maybe the conditions are just right. And the farm is still an active farm and there's somebody driving a tractor and he looks over in the barn and he sees you standing there and you disappear. Oh my God. And maybe the conditions were just right that he saw you come back and visit the farm. So a lot of hauntings may be nostalgic. We may get on the other side and say, Hey, wonder what the so-and-so is doing now. You know, wonder what the, the farm is now. Is it still a farm? Did they change it into a warehouse or something or whatever? So, I think we have these choices, these abilities on the other side to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back here. I'm going to look at this. I'm going to go here. I'm going to look at that, you know, just like we do now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here in Florida. I grew up in West Texas. I'm sitting here in Florida today. I was super nostalgic for the old home I grew up in. Yep. And I'm like, man, I'd, I'd like to go back there and see it again physically. And if I don't get to do that now, when I'm in spirit, you can better believe I'm going to go back there in spirit and check out the old home place. Yeah, know? for me, that would be kind of fun. Because when you're in, in the, the non-physical form, and you could just go visit places at will. I think that yeah. I, I would be interested in that. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I, here's the other. The, the, I, I had like this idea once because I was watching this program about reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, what if a kid were like a kid or a person were going to perish for whatever reason, uh, whether it be because uh, there's a huge suicide count in our in our country, in the world. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I wonder if like some energy say, well, this kid wants to be he just doesn't he doesn't want to be part of life. Let me just right. let me let me take his vessel. And I wonder if reincarnation's part of that, because there's a kid I remember just distinctly in this. And I, he could recall in perfect detail events yeah. of, a, of a, yeah. being a pilot in World War II. And he wasn't a famous pilot, but he knew every detail. And this kid was eight. And I'm like, right. how is that possible? Now, what yeah. I think maybe, yeah. maybe as life has it, this, this kid, this eight-year-old, maybe he was going to perish anyway. And the energy from this other person took his vessel. I, 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 can't, I can't figure any other way how to explain it. Yeah, you know, I've I've studied reincarnation. I'm familiar with all the the uh, 
pertinent, relevant cases, and I just haven't found anything to hang my hat on. The reason is that I'm aware of the cases where there's a kid that says, you know, hey, I was a fighter pilot. This was my plane I flew and blah, 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 and this, and the other, and they check it out and they can validate it. There's very few of those cases, but there are a few. And my contention with that is the, the bone of contention for me is, okay, was this that pilot reincarnated into this body as a young kid and he's living again? <clears throat> Excuse me, in recalling that. <clears throat> Sorry. You're good. Or um, is this kid just super psychic right. and picking up on this information in the atmosphere, this data that's out there, and somehow um, attaching that to himself, interpreting that as being him. Because when we're young, we don't have the capability to differentiate as well the things that are out there from us. We tend to internalize everything that we interpret or that we see or experience or whatever, and instead of being objective about it. And then as we get older, we can say, okay, well, um, I remember going to this hot dog stand with so-and-so, but I'm not the hot dog stand and I'm not so-and-so I'm me and I went there with them. So we don't have that same capability when we're young. And I think a lot of that may enter into it. And again, that's my speculation. We don't know. You know, know, there's another story, John, where it's a teenage kid. I was reading this. This is back in 2010. I read this. Uh, he was suicidal. Didn't want. He's like morbidly depressed for whatever reason. So he had a chemical imbalance, and he finally succeeded in overdosing on on a, a cocktail of pills. Right. And so his parents are concerned. He's a teenager, and he comes out of this this overdose, and he's a a whole other person. He, he's interested yeah. in school. He wants to develop better relationships with people. He he has he's aspiring to do greater things. And right. it, I remember thinking at the time, like, so that they explained it as, uh, you know, near death experience and a guy, you know, he re- gave him a new lease on life. And in my mind, I'm thinking this guy's entire personality did a 180. Exactly. Is it possible that his energy finally departed the vessel and other energy took it over like an avatar? I mean, imagine yeah. you're watching you know, a movie the, avatar. The walk-in. Yeah. The walk-in. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really believe in the concept of the walk-in, but what I think is, is that we do have transformative experiences. Right. And um, they may be as dramatic as, as that, or they may just be, you know, you wake up one day and you go, man, I'm tired of living life this way. How do I do something different? Right. How do I do something better? So I do believe in transformative experiences, uh, not the walk-in thing so much. I haven't really read anything or or talk to anybody that's convinced me of the walk-in theory. Right. But I do believe in transformative experiences because I've had them. You know, I had, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was young, uh, I had a very troubled childhood and uh, a very bad family life, and I got on the wrong side of the law. And one day I woke up and I went, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't working for me. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to go down this path to that ultimate end. And I I could see that. And when I did, I made the decision to make a change, to change myself, so on and so forth. So we do have transformative experiences, and uh, it does come to us 
to our consciousness, to our being, to who we are. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we, we need to acknowledge that. And we need to understand that we, the person that's in there, me, I, that identity, we can receive these things. We can achieve this conscious change. We can, um, you know, undergo these positive, constructive transformations, however it comes about. I agree because uh, I used to drink and smoke. And one yeah. day uh, I decided I, don't, I didn't want to smoke anymore. So I quit. Didn't want to do it no and more, I, yeah. but I literally, it wasn't like a, a thing like after this pack, I, I literally just said I'm done and I was done. And yeah. then in 2017, yeah. I decided, well, I don't want to drink anymore. And I yeah. just stopped. I didn't have any kind of withdrawal. I didn't have to think about it or go through this process of giving myself a time limit. I just right. stopped. Right. So right. I could see that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you know, we, we have to, you know, the problem that we have as individuals, we look too much out there. Uh, you know, God fix me, spirit change me, guardian angels help me, uh, universal mind, infinite mind help me, uh, whatever. And, you know, we're wanting to sit here and not make any effort and have things change for the better. And all change involves us cooperating with whatever powers that be are out there to make a change for the better. Right. You know, if, if you want to, if you're born with the inherent physical ability to run a marathon at world-class level, you don't achieve that without training, sweat, effort, pain, and work. You can be naturally born the most talented, gifted runner in the world, but you're not going to win that marathon sitting on the couch eating potato chips watching TV. No. You're going to win that marathon getting out there training, sweating, hurting, so on and so forth. Yep. And it's the same thing with spiritual uh, tools and techniques. And like I say in my book, it, this works if you put it into practice and you put it into practice consistently and with focus and with energy and with effort, and you stay with it till you see results. And so we have to realize that, you know, we look for all these things out there to change us without realizing that it's a partnership and that will to change has to be within ourselves, And we have to be willing to put in that effort, even though we're connecting with something supernatural that'll help us, we still have to be willing to put in that effort. Right. If I want to start exercising and lose 20 pounds, I got to get up off the couch and do it. Now I can take my crystal or my rock or my talisman or my amulet or whatever with me. And I can pray and I can meditate and visualize while I'm walking or whatever. And that's great. But I still got to get up off the couch and go walk, you know? So we have to realize that the changes that we want to make are a partnership between us and the other side. And we can't sit there and not do nothing and expect change. Yep. I agree with that. I mean, you got to put in what, if the, if the universe is going to do anything for you, I would imagine it's a, it's a, uh, a symbiotic relationship of 50, 50, you know, exactly. So exactly. you got to put in what now, it's going to put We in. do get that occasional miracle. We do get that occasional bone that's dropped in our lap and it's like, holy cow, I wasn't working for this. I wasn't expecting this. I didn't do anything for this. Thank you. You know, right. and we do get those moments for which we should be immensely grateful but they seem to be pretty rare. Most of the time it's like, okay, roll up the sleeves, call on the other side. I'm fixing to do this. Help me. And both of you go to work. 
Well, there's a lot of, for me, there's a lot of satisfaction in knowing that you, you, uh, you worked hard and you conditioned and you got good results. I like Absolutely. that. I've always Absolutely. liked that. Knowing that yeah. I put the time in to make something become great. It feels good. I'm not big on things just being great because if they are, then again, yeah. that's that whole complacent uh, point of view where yeah. it's just you gotta Monday. Keep, you got to keep learning. You got to keep growing. You got to keep striving. You got to keep trying. Yeah. You, know? you really want when Saturday comes to feel like it's Saturday. Like you, yeah. you did a yeah. lot to get the Saturday to enjoy. Saturday. I put in a full week's work. I yeah. put in the effort. I did the best that I could. I achieved something. I accomplished something. And it's just like writing my books, you know, it's like writing is work. Yeah, it is indeed. hard work. You sit there and in the chair and you face the keyboard by yourself, putting these, getting these thoughts and ideas and emotions on paper in a way that will communicate meaningfully to somebody and yet entertain them at the same time, not bore them to death. And you're putting this out there into the world, not knowing what reaction it's going to get. And you're sitting there for hours at a time at the keyboard doing this when you'd rather be watching sports or going to the mall or doing this or doing that or whatever. It's hard work. So all of these things that we advance and evolve with, uh, they're they're difficult. They're hard. They're not easy. Well, especially when you're writing when you're writing a book, you're your own <clears throat> boss, and you know, yeah, you have to really at some point. You don't want to get to a point where like I could just do it tomorrow. You got to treat. Right, you got to right. push yourself because what ends That's up happening it. is tomorrow you comes know, like and then you're pushing the greatest to Monday. thing I ever read about writing, Adam, many many years ago, decades ago. Because like I said, God, next month I'm going to be seventy. So decades ago, the greatest thing I ever read was professional writers, big name New York Times bestselling authors that were interviewed, and they were like, "How do you write?" And they said, "You sit your butt in the chair and you work." And then the muse shows up. They said, look, if you're a writer, you don't sit there and go, oh, geez, I don't feel inspired today. Maybe I'll write tomorrow. You don't do that. Because, look, if you're a bookkeeper for a company, you don't go to work and sit there and go, I don't feel like doing the books today and I don't feel like writing payroll. You don't do that. That's your job. You show up, you do it. If you're a writer, that's your job. You show up and you do it. So whether you feel like it or not, you plant your butt in the chair and you're right. And that was the greatest advice I ever read. And that's guided me to this day as an author. And that's what I practice to this day. Plant my butt in the chair, do the work. Yeah, there's a there's a rapper. I'm not a big fan of his work by any means. But when I watched a, uh, behind the scenes on him, I, I came to appreciate and admire his work ethic, his Eminem. This guy, oh, yeah. that oh, guy yeah. was at the studio every morning at the same exact time, 9 a.m. sharp, never missed yep. it. And he sat there all day yep. producing. And, you know, exactly. when you hear that, regardless if you're if I'm a fan of his or not, you have to admire that ethic. That guy you have to admire has, the work ethic. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly. powerful. It was power. It was powerful for me to hear, to realize that he's not just making gibberish and making beats and having fun. Right. He puts right. work in. You know, he's and, putting the work in, and that's uh, work in. that should impress you know me. I think people. that's what people in the the spiritual, <clears throat> excuse me, religious, psychological, paranormal, psychic community. I think that's what they're missing now is that this is work, and it takes effort, and right. it takes dedication, and not everything is a hit, not everything is a home run, not everything is easy. You have to focus. You have to put in the work. 
You have to be dedicated. You have to try and you have to realize you're going to put in a hundred percent effort one day and it's going to be marvelous. The feedback, the results, the manifestations are going to be incredible. And the next week you may put in that exact same dedication and focus and effort every single day and get nothing and get nothing and get nothing and get nothing. And then you still have to determine to persevere and to go on and to continue because apparently that's the way this life works. Again, if there were a master, every sprinter would win every race that he entered, but right. that doesn't happen. Right. So we see this, this uh, uh, paradigm in life where we work and work and work and work. Bam, it pays off. We do the exact same thing and it doesn't pay off the next three weeks. And then the next few days it pays off. And then another month goes by and it didn't pay off and on and on. But it's this continual process of being willing to climb, exert, focus, strive, try, continue. Let me ask you, John, um, there's a psychic in uh, Miami <laughs> and she doesn't advertise. She doesn't um, nothing. She she does what she does because, uh, as she said to me, she's harassed. Yeah, and she says that she reaches out to these people. <clears throat> They're typically relatives that want to convey a message to someone, and she says she wish she could just completely turn it off. Yeah. Now, for some psychics, is there for you in any way? Is it? Are you able just to switch it off? Like, let's say you just want to relax one night, and you don't. Oh, no, never, never. It's it's on twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and has been since I was about five and a half, six years old. And I wouldn't want to turn it off. And I think that people need to understand you're given this gift of communication. And you have to understand that with that gift comes responsibilities, comes effort, comes, you know, I well, I'm, I should be giving this reading. I'd rather be at the mall shopping for clothes or going out to eat or watching a movie or whatever. It takes sacrifice and dedication just like anything else does, right. just like you were talking about in Eminem. He showed up, stayed there all day, did the work day after day after day after day. That's the gift that psychics are given. And so that's our obligation. That's our responsibility is to utilize that and to help people with that, not only to help ourselves, but to help others. And it does become tiring because there are people that, you know, the only time you hear from them is when they want something. Um, yeah, she, she, that she seems, she seems mm -hmm. burdened by it where other people yeah. embrace it. And, you know, that could be said with anything, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it, and, and you have to shift your mindset. It's like I've known people that were literally, they, they graduated Juilliard and went on to become well-known concert pianists. I have a friend that did that and he viewed it as a burden. Yeah. I, you and, know, I, I know people like that. So yeah. I can yeah. And, and this guy could sit down and play piano to make you weep. I mean, he was just masterful, just so talented, so gifted, but he viewed it as a burden. And I think that what we have to do is shift our mindset to understand that with a gift, there comes a burden and with a gift, there comes work. And with a gift, there comes obligation. And you have to accept that as part of the territory and realize that, hey, it's not going to be fun all the time. It's not going to be easy all the time. But 
it's your gift, it's your talent, it's what you're called to do, and it's going to be difficult sometimes. You put in the work. Yeah, that's uh, Izzy Stradlin from uh, Guns N' Roses, the original yeah. guitarist. That guy was a uh, you know a brilliant musician, and he just hated being famous. He hated it. Mm-hmm. He viewed it as a burden. Uh, yeah. he, he liked just playing clubs and making music uh, locally. Yeah. He did what it would. You know, it, it, it comes with the territory, Adam. Yep. If we rise to whatever degree to which we're called, that comes with the territory. Yep. And the higher you go, the more responsibility there is. The higher you go, the more obligation there is. The higher you go, the more you recognize. The more demands are put upon you because hey, if you've made it this high, if you've made it this far. This has got to be the guys with the answers. He's going to help me. He's got to help me. I'm going to reach out to him, you know? Yep. So we have to realize that as you go up these steps, as you ascend, there's more obligation. There's more responsibility. There's more expectation. And it goes with the territory. You know, it's like if you want to be the CEO of the company, guess what? A lot, <laughs> a lot of work, a lot, lot of dedication, a lot of involvement, a lot of flack. The buck stops here. They're looking at you. And then you got to be able to accept the, uh, the responsibility that comes with it. You know, exactly all, all right. eyes are on exactly you. Right. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's the same as uh, when you become a famous musician, you're like, I don't want to be famous. I don't want to shake hands. I don't want to sign autographs, but you, you did it. You're that guy. And there's some, there's some responsibility that comes with it. And you know what? The people that put you there, you have an obligation to them yep. because you wouldn't be there without those cheering, screaming fans coming right. out and going, Oh my God, can I touch you? Can I get an autograph? Can I get a selfie? You know, yep. that enhances their life. Yep. That makes them feel better. That gives them a little boost to go, Oh man, guess what? I, I saw Axel Rose last night at a restaurant. I asked him if I could take a selfie and he said, yeah. And he talked with me and we spent five minutes. Oh my God. I did. You know, and it makes people feel good. We're on this planet to help each other feel good and to advance and to evolve and to feel better. And, you know, there, I'm starting to get this tiny modicum of recognition as an author now. And it's like, oh, my God, this is great. I don't view it as an intrusion. I don't view it as a, as a burden. I view it as, holy cow, somebody thinks enough of my books and what I've written and of me to want to talk to me and communicate to me and ask me questions and, and all this. What a blessing. You know, what a, what a privilege. Yeah, because when you spend that time with that individual, whether they're in their admiration for your work or otherwise, the good deed you did for them they might turn around and feel good about themselves and share a good deed with someone else. And you never know. It might be that, exactly that fit, right. that chain reaction, that, that six guy on the chain who turns yep. around and gives money to a homeless guy. The homeless guy takes the money, buys a lottery ticket, wins the lottery. Then that guy takes that lottery money and makes a home for the homeless. You never know. You, you never you know go. how that works. You know, it's, it's That's exactly right. That's exactly right. We have to understand that. And you know, when I get discouraged, and I do get discouraged in my psychic work and my readings for my clients because it can be very, very difficult. It can be hard. It can be frustrating. And my beloved wife, bless her heart, she always tells me, she says, look, you will, you may never know what you said in a reading or what you saw or what you predicted or whatever for somebody that you never hear from again, but it changed their lives and enable them to live this wonderful life and enable them to reach out to others and influence other people in a positive way. You may never see that. You may never get the, get that 
closure and the fulfillment, but that's out there. You yeah. know, you, you may have done that for people never see it, never get to recognize it, but it's there. Yeah. A profound chain reaction. You never know. Exactly. Exactly. Before we close out, John, let's tell people where they can find your books. I'll put in description as well. Great. Yeah, you can go to my website strictly for my books. I have a, de- a dedicated authors page, and that's johnrussellauthor.com. johnrussellauthor.com. Two S's, two L's, and Russell. johnrussellauthor.com. Now, if you want a reading or to learn more about my psychic work, that's johnrussell.net. So don't confuse the two. johnrussell.net for the psychic work, johnrussellauthor.com. For the books. And I'll put that in the description so people can find it immediately. Outstanding. Thank you. Well, John, we're going to say good night, good evening, or good day to whoever's listening or whatever it is for them. And I'm going to talk to John in post. There you go, Adam. I've enjoyed it. Hope the listeners have too. Thank you for having me back. Indeed. 